This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 109, A Welcome Reprieve. Don't blame me, that's what Reese called it when they banned all the cards. (laughs) I mean, he's right, but... I am Chris Stevenson, and here with me today are Jay Earl. Hey. And Mike Cook. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the Legend of the Five Rings CCG, and in particular, the recent set of bands and what shape that may leave the environment in, other than, you know, better. So wait, before we go into that, by calling this a welcome reprieve, you've been off the podcast for a few episodes, is that what you're making a reference to? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm making a reference to. It was it was very nice to not actually have to talk to you people for a while. I uh, oui. well, anything we can do to ruin that. <laughs> and it was nice not having to listen to you. So I know, right? That's what we do on this podcast. I talk at you. Yeah. You are forced to listen. I, I just kind of ramble and assume that you know you record it. Well, usually. Uh, <laughs> once in a while, I forget to hit a button or something. and then... <laughs> So they banned a total of, I think, ten cards, which makes this the second mass banning of Emperor Edition, or of the Emperor Arc, more particularly. Did one of you two want to rattle off that list for us? Sure. Kalani's Landing, Kilsa, Charter of the Legion of 2000, Duty of the Crab, <laughs> Duty, Caught Unawares, Asako Karachu, Basic, Frozen in Place, Sepin Jaramu, The Wall is Breached, and Oblivious. Yes, and a number of those were These Decks Must Be Crushed Now bans, and a number of those were, well, we know that after we crush those decks, these other decks are just going to dominate the, mm-hmm. the universe. If you remember, that was one of my... I, I used to kind of be like, what's the point of banning things? There's always going to be something else before I decided that I was just thoroughly sick of Kalani's Landing and lizard Wizards and all that. But yes, there's Kalani Landing, which obviously takes out Kalani's Landing. There's Quelsa, which is aimed at uh, Lizard Wizards. Charter of the Legion of 2000, which is aimed at a whole variety of, of blitzy, swarmy things. The biggest one... Uh- I, I love how the article calls it the very unpopular Harlem Shake decks. Yes, Harlem Shake was the I don't remember I don't know why, but Harlem Shake was the name given to the Imperial Blitz deck. The one of the two. I mean, like the multiple different Imperial decks, right? They didn't ban Journey's End Keep, but they whacked all of the Imperial decks. Yeah, a Duty of the Crab got hammered because it's just broken generally, and and Berserker Blitz had uh, become really nasty. Caught on Awares, again, was a no-personality deck. Karachi, uh, I don't know, most of the other ones are kind of obvious. Frozen in Place is banned because 
people don't like having entire units popped by a by free strategies that sort mm. of thing. Silly people. <laughs> yes, those are silly. Yeah, I because I I do think that limited kill or hack possibly even open kill is something that can totally be a healthy part of an environment or part of a healthy environment, but it just has to be appropriately costed and appropriately handled, which obviously there have been issues with that here, you know, like Kitsuki Judgment, your super unit. Oh, that cost me no money, effectively. Huh. Mm. How did that happen? So I thought we would just... We're not going to take forever, but look at each of the clans and look at what might be coming out of this out of this post-banning environment. On the one hand, we're talking about something completely unknown and, you know, what the heck do we really know? On the other hand, I think to some extent, we're largely just going back to what we had before. Like, what were the decks that were, you know, decent, but could not really be high level? I, I think generally this is a nice slowdown of the environment. So your mid-range military, your non- Rocket honor, your dishonor can actually, you know, play the game again. Well, I, I don't agree with all of that, actually. I I think only the best mid-range, the very best mid-range militaries, I, I suspect, are going to have a good shot. I mean, you talk about non-rocket honor, it's not like rocket honor was doing, has done anything. I mean, the... No, 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 it hasn't been, but I mean, that was my understanding of the reason they banned uh, Jaramu was because they figured with Kalani's Landing and Lizard Wizards gone, that was going to be the next thing, was Rocket Honor. Yeah, Dramu just is kind of silly if Honor has any chance. It, yeah. Honor decks with lots of personalities didn't have much of a chance, although there were several very high-placing Battle Maiden Honor decks at Gen Con. And they do lose Jaramu, but I don't think they lose anything else. So, I mean, if we start off with Crab, right... Crab lost Duty of the Crab. Which is a nasty... Yeah, they didn't lose anything else. And I think then they go back to having more of a variety of stuff. Like, right, they were doing well before they were crushing it at Gen Con with Berserker Blitz. They've still got Halls of the Forgotten, which is an amazing box. They've still got Kutenhita XP, which is an amazing box. There actually were new tools for Scouts with the Emperor-only bug in, you know, in Coils of Madness. So I think that both of those decks should be tournament successful, at least reasonably so, for Crab after the bannings. What do you guys think? Yeah, I always felt like Crab decks were strong anyways. Duty of the Crab was just that one thing you never wanted to see because it came out so fast. But uh, the turn to Kuan. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking, Jay, while Mike was making that comment, yes. Other than Caillou, I, I've seen a good version of basically every other Crab deck, including Berserkers. Yeah. Duty of the Crab just felt like an accelerator. I was never entirely sure where they got. It was the the thing that would turn a tough match into a you know game over. Yeah. To be fair, even Duty of the Crane was kind of the same way, because it enabled so many of the stupid combo decks. Yeah, but mostly out of Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for reminding me of that. I appreciate that. Look, we have to 
We have to do our duty as cranes sometimes. So it's a rough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the closest to winning that Crane have gotten, except for like those two tournaments that one those those two weekends in a row that Yoshi won. So speaking of Crane, do you just want to take that one, Mike? Uh, take it and go nowhere. Yeah, sure. No, I I don't know. I, I don't see that any of the personalities that we got or any of the cards that were dropped are enough to really boost any of them over into anything spectacular. Even when we played before KL, it was for, I'm sure there are more dedicated players that can get into maybe even top, you know, make the cut. I still don't think any of our decks get over the top. Yeah, Crane, I think, are the clan that are most obviously bad. I, I would just be really surprised if crane even got itself to average i mean it could happen yeah well but i I think you also have a large portion because this game is so factionally uh so faction uh is so faction based yeah faction loyal thank you it's so faction loyal i think you've had a lot of crane players who've either jumped ship to imperials because you know that was kind of basically the deck you wanted to play in crane or just kind of stopped i mean the, the crane boards have been pretty quiet i don't I don't go to other boards very much, so I don't know how that compares to other boards. It may just be, you know, where it was. But I know a lot of people who have been trying for a very long time to make crane decks work have, have stopped. That doesn't mean the top players have stopped, but I think even they probably have, you know, I, I don't think anybody's playing crane because they think they're going to win on an outside chance. Yeah, I think that the relative slowness of the crane boards is not at all unique to the crane boards. I I think that there's a lot less life in the clan forums lately than there used to be. I mean, and I got, and I mean lately broadly, like this year at least. Yeah. I actually have started to wonder if for all the niftiness of having these clan specific forums and the clan specific sites, if, if the clan forums maybe do more harm than good in the long run by fragmenting the online community into all these little sections. So you have a half-dead clan X forum and a half-dead clan Y forum. And whereas if everybody was just on the same forums, they'd right. you know have a little more vitality and it would help more with things like, you know, that would give you one more consistent place to, to see strategy discussed, to to see you yeah. know decks decks put out there and and tweaked well, or ripped apart or whatever. Well, I think yeah, I mean I think it would have a couple of fold effect. I tend to agree with you. I mean I think fan sites are fine. You have something more like uh, Kabuni Port, which seems to be more of a neutral, even though it's Mantis. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that idea of everybody being on. The L5R forums, I think, would actually would help a lot in a number of ways. One of which is just overall traffic is going, probably going to be higher because even if no one's really active in like the crane subthread or whatever, it's really easy to jump over to the dragon subthread or lion subthread. I mean, most people play usually play at least a second or third clan or might just be curious about what's going on. Right now, if you want to go where you know most of those players congregate, not only is it a different site, it's a different site with a completely different login. So, you know, if you say there are nine functioning sites for each of the clans, that's nine... nine functioning sites for each of the clans. 
one for each of the clans. <sighs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you just realized how dumb Jay was being. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, no. You just now figuring that out? That's nine separate logins. I mean, and I face this where I've seen stuff on another forum and I, and, uh, like, oh, I'd kind of like to say something, uh, I have to log in or I have to sign up. That's not going to be worthwhile. So, yeah, I think both of those kind of detract some from the community. But at the same point, there is a, a amount of ownership from having your own, uh, you know, fan site. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh well. Anyhow, yes. Yeah, so, Crane bad, okay? This, basically. So Dragon, I, oddly enough, I feel like I think I have less of a handle on what you would do in Dragon than I do for most of the clans because on the one hand, it sometimes seems like Dragon just don't really have much of anything going on. And then on the other hand, you have these just sort of random statistical blips where they do really well. And sometimes you can be like, okay, well, there was this one tournament where all of a sudden, Kensei decided to be good again, somehow. But like right in the in the Coils of Madness legal Kote, Dragon had really good make-the-cut percentages, and I don't know why. But I think that Honor is actually probably what I would go to for Dragon, which is the same thing I would have gone to at Gen Con, actually. We've probably been like, Here's Faceless. I don't know what Greg was running, the who the top dragon. But I I don't know. Again, Dragon doesn't seem like it has anything that stands out as an exciting. They're clearly better off than Crane, but definitely feel like they're one of the lower tier clans. Like I don't you know, you were talking about mid range decks, Jay. I, I just I I don't see that Kensei could get back in the game at this point. Or do you think they can? I I mean, yeah, it's hard to... I feel like generally mid-range should be playable. I don't know if Kenta has really gotten any enough of a boost to still be at the top end of mid-range where it'll actually be playable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like Kensei, both of them kind of suffered a little bit because of the wonkiness of the weapons. Uh, the weapon distribution, because you had the really, really good weapons at the beginning of the arc, that it made it feel like, okay, these decks are so good, we really don't need to give them too much more support. Um, and a lot of that was just how good the weapons were. So now, as it's gotten later in the arc, well, we still don't really want to give them too much more weapon support, and that really kind of caused it to peter off. So I don't, I don't know that they've really gotten enough support to boost them back up to anything else. Yeah, it's not that you can still make a Kensei deck and fill it with cards that seem really good, but it it's just the the environment is not not conducive to that sort of thing. I, and maybe it'll it'll a little more. I mean, I do think there's at least one thing that could be described as mid range military that will be solid, which we'll we'll get to later. But I okay, so Lion Lion did lose something in that there were lion swarmy decks that played Charter of the Legion of 2000, and that's gone. But lion now is basically back to going first again. Foothold of the Mad, I don't think, has gone anywhere, and the Imperial decks have all gotten banhammered. Something may come back out of there, but at least the ones that were already going on 
So that leaves Lion back on top. And I think that there are a, a couple more traditional Lion builds that are still really good. You're probably playing out of uh, the marshalling fields regardless, card draw for your terrains. But either playing that as scouts, which again, like we mentioned with the crab, there's still a, a some pretty solid good scout stuff running around. The Lion have built up a pretty solid base of scout personalities, and they can still be relatively, I mean, they're always going first. They can still be pretty swarmy or blitzy if they want to be. But also a deck that seems to have flown under the radar a lot for the entirety of Emperor Arc is Kitsu. They seem to always be better than people realize they are. You know, you have you had some stretches there where, okay, you had some stretches where Honor really was bad for the most part. But Honor, I think, has never been as bad in Emperor Edition as, as people have said it was. And sometimes that's things like a Gen Con, where the Gen Con winning deck was an honor deck and there were multiple other honor decks in the top eight and people were still saying oh honor is terrible but earlier in the arc the kitsu would play that role relatively frequently people would talk about how there's no good honor decks and honor are terrible while kitsu was winning kote well i think that kitsu honor is something that i have not seen bandied about much that might have the chops to get back into the game some I have nothing intelligent to add on the subject of Lion. I agree that Kitsu could be playable again. I have no idea what that deck looks like anymore. Well, one of the things to remember, too, is that it may be more playable, but like none of the Honor meta got hit. and there, There's still a significant amount of Honor meta. That is something that it'll be interesting to see as we move into the environment, and this is going to change from location to location, is Will Honor Meta actually come back? Because, for example, one of the things that the the Gen Con winner did was say, I bet I'm not going to see Honor, so I'm going to play a deck that gets throttled by standard Honor decks, and I'm not going to play any meta whatsoever for that matchup. And it worked for him, because he just never, ever saw an Honor deck. There was actually another faceless imperial deck in the top eight that did meta some against honor but one of the recurring themes of of this listing of okay what might be be playable is i imagine going to be oh and then there's this honor deck that you might play there's that honor deck you might play oh maybe there's maybe you play dragon honor maybe you play phoenix honor you can still play unicorn honor does that lead to people just starting to default to put honor meta in their decks again thus you know, negating whatever was going on. Well, you would think that with a lot of the decks that are going out, that a lot of that meta that you would have to pack is now going to have a... You're going to have room for something else. So it seems like the honor meta, if you didn't already have it, would slot in right there. Uh, I'm not sure how much meta is necessarily going out. Part of the problem with these decks that, that were... Some of the decks were getting banned is that it was extremely difficult to meta against them. Faceless, there's, ex- there's very, very effective meta against the faceless decks but kalani's landing uh, other than like i'm playing all non-humans there's not a lot you can do about just your opponent has 1700 gold to spend every turn and can limited kill or otherwise control all your guys but uh i don't know then there's mantis obviously mantis are seriously affected because they they lose kalani's landing 
On the other hand, Mantis is not going to vanish. Mantis still has three different, at least two, probably three different good decks. They've got good scout decks. They can still do annoying stuff out of Aramasu's legacy. And speaking of honor decks, (laughs) they've got the Kitsune, who do not stink, especially against military decks, which no matter how good honor is or dishonor is, military is always the majority of the environment. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they have a terrible matchup against honor. It, it, you know, as long as they can pack enough honor meta, it seemed like. Well, and did they just get another card that was a, a courtier? So that's going to help them with... Uh, rhetoric. Yeah, that's going to help them with rhetoric, which seems to be most of the problem you know, with that deck against honor decks. Rhetoric is a big part of the problem that the deck has against honor decks because they start lower, which matters, but they also have the ability to play a lot of catch-up cards. Yeah. But rhetoric is so ludicrously swingy in that matchup. Or or not, I mean, not Kitsune versus something, but just honor decks facing off against each other. I do think that the environment as a whole would have been a lot better if Frederick had never existed. Yes, I think that would be correct. We aren't going to, but I'm sure we could go back and uh, do some sort of list like the 10 worst to print card, the, the, I don't know, the 10 biggest mistakes of Emperor Edition that didn't end up getting banned <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and be able to fill that list pretty easily. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know like if rhetoric would necessarily make that list, but I think it was. I, I think in retrospect, it was a mistake to print it. Well, one of the things I'm kind of interested in. Um, one of the things, obviously, I asked Brian was about a potential like postmortem that they do a lot of times for games, and I didn't want it to sound like I was really you know trying to keep beating up on Emperor Edition. I'm just really curious because Emperor Edition's been a very unusual arc, and I think you know there's been a lot of good as lo- as well as you know the problems that have existed so i'd be interested to see what you know what we think worked and what didn't and you know what's likely to come back but i guess we'll see that when we see ivory yeah ivory i think is going to be i I don't know i was gonna say substantially different i i hesitate to say that because i don't want to overstate it i mean I, i don't see anything that really changes the core of how the game works but just the when when you've got a you know, something like a customizable card game, or I guess just any game, right? You right, you've got the the framework of how it works, and then you've right. got okay, and what do you do with the individual cards? And while we all focus on how the framework of L5R is changing, because that's very discreet and easy to handle, that's actually not changing in a big way as far as how the game plays. I, I mean it really is just primarily stripping off unnecessary things. I know Jay and I uh, got to play War Machine High Command on Saturday, and I was sitting there, and then that, that is a game where you've got two resources, and your production is chunky. You don't just play cards out of your hand. It, it's a deck-building game. You don't just play cards out of your hand and then spend the resources to buy stuff. You have to kind of sit there and figure out, okay, this one makes four of this resource, and that one's make two of the other resource. And, okay, so how do I buy this combined with the costs and the fact that this card has two different ways I can buy it because I can just buy it or I can rush it out. 
and I'm staring at my hand and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so happy this isn't going to be an L5R anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that the resource system is probably the weak point of High Command from having played it. It's too easy for things not to line up, but of course that's also because it has two different resources you're trying to line yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't that wasn't a, I wasn't intending that as a dig on High Command. It's just sort of. Well, no, but but but, but it's still an observation. Like I said, I, I agree with you. It's not so much a dig. It's just you know that's something that's not great with that game. But for the L five R, the uh, like I said, I think that is. I think the rules changes, the framework changes are pretty straightforward to wrap your head around. What I, what, what's still really up in the air for me is, okay, what are the, what, obviously, what are the cards they're going to print? Like, how does that work? Like, I cannot assess how the down in the, the dirt tactics of L5R are going to change without seeing the cards. You know, okay, I know stuff's going to be weaker, but, it's just so dependent on the individual cards. Right, what is the actual power level? Because if you'll remember, at this, when we were in the first dual bug set last time, what was the card that was bow something without attachments? or was it Unorthodox it Attack. Thank you, Unorthodox Attack. That we're all like, oh man, that's going to be the power rare of this arc. That's going to be the benchmark that we set it. And I can't even remember the name of the card right now because no one plays it. Yeah, you play it in big deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't even last to the... Um, it didn't even last to the base set. Yeah. yeah. Right, but I mean, my my point is, it's really hard to judge the power level without knowing what the baseline of the cards is like that. That we can see that card and we can think it's going to be the baseline and judge, oh, this is going to be a toned-down arc and that's going to be the baseline power, only to find out when we see the actual cards, oh no, the baseline power is way up here that card is a nothing well i don't think that's gonna happen yeah well and i think if you look at the pattern i mean the first the other two first dual bug sets for emperor edition were relatively the same and and relatively comparable as far as power level and even emperor edition for the most part was it was really the direct player set that was the blip out of nowhere um it was really the blip above and it was even as it, it was obvious to see even back then because a lot of the cards read like, okay, well, this seems like it, it belongs in these sets, but then they added something else. I haven't seen anything quite like that out of these sets, out of what we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. Although I do I do have this feeling that when we look, when we get to the Ivory Edition and look back at Coils of Madness, Coils of Madness is going to look a lot stronger. Yeah. Except that I'm just going to throw in, before we get back to talking about the environment for sure, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm already sick of opening Fallen Guys. You're opening these packs of Gates of Chaos, and there are these Fallen Guys, and there's Fallen Guys and Coils of Madness, and they're for the... Uh, I mean, the, the honor losses are small enough, and the way that the honor gain changes, that well, probably doesn't wait. matter in Ivory Edition, but I... Like, it's really annoying to be opening these guys for the the faction thing that you know doesn't exist. Well, it's not just the honor hit. I mean... I play a high honor clan. If a guy has a zero, that's a major detriment, let alone taking a hit for buying him. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. Like the lion guy who blows up anytime he's in an army with the three personal honor guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, good luck drafting him. Well, no, you can draft him. Actually, he can do right, quite well in draft. You can charge yeah, he can. him. Yeah, because you can charge alongside, like, 
two personal honor unicorn and zero personal honor scorpion ninja and well, I mean actually when we drafted Gates of Chaos there aren't that many cards with decent personal honor like there are very few with three or four there were, actually there are very few with three I, I had one in my deck I think that was because I took all of them <laughs> well, yeah, that might be that might have something to do with it but even in the packs I saw before anybody else had seen them I still did not see all that much you know high personal honor. Anyhow, that was just a random, like, may, I don't know, maybe not the best thought out. You know what, though, but those, those personalities, like the common slot personalities out of the first two sets, are typically some of the ones that get replaced first anyways. Yeah. So it's, I don't think it'll be a problem for very long. Well, I don't think it's an issue of getting replaced first, I don't think, because a lot of those guys don't have keywords anyway. I Right. I, I don't know. I think they're designed... One of the reasons why the honor loss is on the non-unique... The, the guys in Coils of Madness, they're about being fallen, or the unique guys have bigger honor losses or stuff. When you look at the guys in Gates of Chaos, the fact that they're fallen doesn't really matter, except for their personal honor. They don't have like Madness token-related abilities or or anything like that. They just have bad personal honor and no abilities and... They have an honor loss of one. That's usually what it is. So, but I don't know. But they're just thematically kind of aggravating. Okay, so Phoenix Jay, you uh, Lizard Wizards is gone. What are you gonna do now? I'm gonna continue playing Dishonor because I'm insane. Where will the good players be going? Probably still spell military, just less reliance on the non-humans. Maybe Henshin. Henshin Blintz, even with Karachu gone. And I mean, TLP is still hanging out for both the Honor and the Dishonor deck, so I think we've still got plenty of nice options. Yeah, I, I agree. Much like Mantis, Phoenix has plenty of of fallbacks. Yeah, anything out of TOP still, mm. I, I think you're right, They'll, you'll see more of a shift back to the Library of Rebirth, which had plenty of good things to do, and that's the deck I was talking about when I... I mean, if I was going to pick out a single sort of mid-range military deck that packs attachments and, you know, actually and, and does consistently well with it, Library of Rebirth would be it, because free money is still really good. Yeah. Turns out. Who knew? <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> uh, so I think you guys will like... Yeah, I think you guys will still be in in pretty good shape. Right, we'll we'll still be good enough to lose another half of our lands in the next Cote season. No, that's going to be an entirely different arc, Jay. Who knows whether or not you'll lose all of the rest of your lands. Uh, we can try. <laughs> Scorpion. Scorpion will benefit hugely from the change because they basically didn't exist in the current environment. They were terrible. But unlike some of the other they-were-terrible clans, I think they really do rebound. I think that rebound is essentially limited to stuff out of Law of Darkness Dojo. That is the one Scorpion deck that I really see as roaring back. But they, they like actually become playable again and, and should actually have a solid deck again, whereas prior to the bannings, they had nothing. Because it turns out that if you went second to Kalani's Landing, you just were bad. They obliterated you. Yeah, I went first against Lonflin, and they still obliterated me. 
Well, yeah, but it, it was especially exaggerated. I, I, you know what? This is what I want them to do. I want them to remove the naval ability from the rule book and put it on the going second side of the, the Mantis stronghold or something. I, I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to naval when you're when you go first. It, it does feel a lot like cheating. Yeah. Even on my crane scouts, when I was still playing them, when that was basically, you know, their thing is we're, we're basically kind of naval, but we also show up where you don't want us to show up. Other than them kind of petering out towards the end, it did feel like, wow, I really railroad these first couple battles. Well, of course, the key is you just don't show up and then you're okay, but, you know. <laughs> Spider is another one that got pretty beaten down, but was probably better than was credited before Coils of Madness, although not good by any stretch. So I think the question for Spider is is how much did did Ninja did Ninja bounce back? And now that now that the you know Mantis broken stronghold is out of the way, <laughs> can the Spider broken stronghold have its moment in the sun? I think that deck will be really good. I know there are some people who think that deck is going to now conquer the universe. I, I don't agree with that. I'm probably wrong, but, you know. I mean, that's always been a deck that has seemed to underperform the highest expectations put on it. So I, I kind of expect it to... If your expectations for Spider Ninja are now Spider Ninja is the best deck, I don't think that's going to happen. It wasn't the best deck before. Again, I know that it went second to Kalani's Landing, and that is now gone, and that is a huge deal for that deck. It was basically an auto loss, but still. You guys have any thoughts on them or the Unicorn? I think Ninja would probably have to be the deck to come back. There's some nice follower stuff and commander-ish stuff that looks like it's coming out, you know, in Gates. What? (laughs) Not not for the Emperor environment. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I'll say. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I, like, <laughs> like, looking at it at, you know, in a vacuum, like, oh, these cards could be really good. These cards could really swing a game for you. Uh, but, you know, not an Emperor. Yeah, I don't even know what we're going to do with, with Gates. It seems weird to have it. Like, have an episode and talk about Gates of Chaos is like, okay, let's isolate the teeny handful of cards that feel like they will actually do something in Emperor Edition, mostly by looking for the ones that don't have ivory Perfect bugs. Bug, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think about the the ponies? Uh, I fully expect to see a resurgence of uh, Battle Maidens. On, on the other hand, maybe all the pony players will go over to the My Little Pony CCG that's coming out, so... I might do that. <laughs> Uh, okay. As long as you don't think you actually get to talk about that on this show. I would never talk about it on this show. I would have a much cooler show. Chris will, quote-unquote, <laughs> forget to hit the record button that episode. Uh, yes. Well, I, I will grant that it's very easy to have a much cooler show than this one. Mm. But uh, I, I, I don't know if I'd agree that you can talk about My Little Pony on it. But yeah, I, Battle Maidens uh, were their most successful deck at Gen Con. I think that that will still be kicking around. But I, I think they'll also just go back to having random good stuff out of JEK. Mm. I, I suspect that they will end up uh, slightly above average. 
That's where I think they'll end up. Sounds about right. Uh, that's where they usually end up. Except when Chagatai's, Cav- you know, breaking yeah. phases. Cavalry is good. Yeah. And then unaligned, I hope for just done with Imperials, but Oni should still be kicking around. They lose a... Well, okay. Oni loses Oblivious, and it... If it was running it, and I don't actually know now that I think about it, it, it loses Caught Unawares, the ability to actually... You know, not use it to try to make a faceless blitz deck with caught unawares, but to be an I always go second deck. So here's my way to stop myself from getting plowed under so I can spend two turns buying gold so I can actually buy giant, uh, giant Oni. Yeah, well, but it's still got the, um, one of the best resistance cards in the game. Oh, yeah, they negate anything that targets my guy? Yeah, did target an Oni? Nope, doesn't happen. Undibs. Yeah. Okay, so that's our obviously necessarily ignorance take because we the environment doesn't exist on on what's going to happen uh, with things post the bans. I'm not really taking much into account gates of chaos because I don't know. We'll do that later. So crab good, crane bad, dragon. Not as bad. Lion, above average. Mantis, still good. Phoenix, still good. Scorpion, let's say back up to average. Spider, I'll be glass half full and say that they get up to average. And then above average for the unicorn. That sounded like more above averages than below averages, which isn't really possible. But I think that that... We have this moment here where the environment... At least in our minds, is much more open. Well, no, it, it is possible to have more above than below. Well, it depends yes, if on there how is... far the, down the crane drag the average. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 he's right, he's right. But, uh, so that's what we've got for you today. For Jay Earl and Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Strange Assembly podcast or whatever your favorite pod catcher is. We'd also appreciate it if you felt like leaving us a rating on iTunes. Just it warms my cold, cold heart to see people say nice things. And that's really the only sort of thing you would say on an iTunes review, right? You can also... Chris is new to the Internet. (laughs) What? People say mean things on the Internet? Also, you can check us out at strangeassembly.com or at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. Have you noticed it's not just auto-tweets that are coming out of our Twitter feed now, too. It's actual ones where I had to type 80 characters. Oh, my gosh. It's Ooh, such... ah. I know. It's Wait, crazy. Poor Chris, you got, what, like another 60 to use up there? I do, I do, but just because you can use a massive 140 characters doesn't mean that you have to. Massive. Yes. I thought that was the whole point of the hashtag was you get to the end and you just start randomly hashtag and random characters to fill up your space, right? No, no, I mostly use hashtag URL hashtag, which is actually not something that shows up on Twitter. But, anyhow. So, that was 
probably our worst outro ever. And you've been Hooray. listening to, to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. can never go under it right it's it's like how the crane helped define the average going forward yeah exactly uh, I, I'm, that many more of our episodes in the future above average episodes